Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas Feasy. I always think it's so lovely having Megan with us. I mean, waves are things that, you know, organize the whole universe. And sound is very special in, in waves. And you can see that in rock concerts and, you know, in big concerts when people move with that. And, and it affects us in some way. And I think it's always so great to have sound that is particularly designed to heal us, to heal our bodies. And for me, that's what you provide. It's that the music, the, the sound comes through us and, and somehow just organizes our body in a certain way. And it's a great privilege to have you here. Thank you, Megan. And it's also great to be back. And um, this is the third in a series that uh, we're doing on the nature of community. And, and today, what I want to look at is, you know, what are we really here for? You know, we, we, we've looked at, you know, how we are a community and all that sort of business in the couple, last couple of weeks. And if you missed uh, uh, any of those, uh, then um, just in front of you on the chairs, uh, on the, the red little card, you can take that away with you. And that will show you how to get some previous episodes, podcasts, or watch it online or whatever you like. And if you'd like to find out uh, be on our mailing list, you just fill one of those in, you can either put it in the plate or give it to someone afterwards. Uh, but we've, we've moved to that point, I was particularly interested in, in something Andrew Travis read in the first week from T.S. Eliot's poem called The Rock. And there was one particular line that got me, and that line is, when the stranger says, what is the meaning of this city, and we can pretend that we're a city here, when the stranger says, what is the meaning of this city? Do you huddle close together because you love each other? What will you answer? We all dwell together to make money from each other? Or this is a community? And that, that seemed really just to speak into what it is to be a community. The reason it struck me, because it, it poses the question as to why we actually come together. Well, I'm not sure, you know, that we all come together to make money here. Uh, but in a way, our spiritual development, I think, is a form of money. Uh, if you look at it in consumer terms, to some extent, we come together for something. And that's to work together, you know, in our phrase, to enable ourselves to live lives more skillfully. That's the purpose we have. We come together to enable us to live life more skillfully, to work together, to realize the wisdom that's deep within us. And you know, I don't think that's enough. Um, because the end point of the spiritual life is not to get enlightened or to become a saint. The end point of the spiritual life is service. You know, really us coming together, you know, for our spiritual life is a form of currency. You know, we make a bargain with each other uh, that we will keep on coming uh, and keep giving our time and talent and treasure so long as we see results in our lives, so long as we get something from it, so long as we feel that we're developing spiritually. So in a sense, there is a bit of a form of currency exchange going on. But that, that real end point of the spiritual life, as I said, is service. Uh, a few months ago, we did a, serv a series on the 
10 ox herding pictures. And if you want to see that series, it's on the website. You can see all the different uh, talks on that. And we went around all the houses in the study. It was 10 weeks, and we looked at meditation, and we looked at practice, and there were lots of pictures of the guy gradually getting enlightened. And the end picture was him going back to his village in order to serve. That's, that's where it ended up. That's the Zen arc of spirituality. It's ending up to serve. And you know, the bad news is that whether you like it or not, your purpose on this planet is to serve. And your task is to find the place where you can most effectively serve. Now, we engage in spiritual practice so that we can understand the true nature of reality. That, that's, that's what I think. That's why I engage in spiritual practice, to work out what the true nature of reality is. And actually, in the summer, again, you can see it again, we did a whole series on the nature of reality. We went through all of what is the nature of why are we here, blah, blah, blah. You know, what's it all about? What's enlightenment? And how, how do we do that? And, you know, it, a big series looking at, at the nature of reality. And when you begin to study the nature of reality, when you begin to study the essence of things, then you begin to see the bigger picture. You begin to get an idea of actually what's going on. That it's, it's not just about you, but we're all deeply connected to the whole universe. That the universe is all of a oneness, of one beingness, and we are all part of that beingness. And being part of that whole, by your very existence, you're playing a part in the unfolding of the universe. That was part of you know, the nature of the reality, things that we talked about. We talked about the interconnectedness of all things. And that gives us a new connection with everything. Instead of trying to understand and judge everything, we want to empathize and contribute to that which is around us. And our emphasis becomes one of giving out love. When you begin to realize that you're connected to all things, you want to give out love. And this is where compassion kicks in and our desire to support rather than dominate. So going back to where we started, the whole purpose of our spiritual practice is to enable us to have a more profound insight into the nature of reality. That's why we do it, to get a more profound insight into the nature of reality so that we can find our place in the world and serve appropriately. That's where it ends up. And so we seek to experience the deeper nature so that it will shift the horizons of our minds. Because when you don't see that reality of the universe being all one, then your horizons are limited to your own self-interest, which is how a lot of the world works. But opening those horizons gives you a bigger perspective. And when the mind catches a glimpse of the true nature of things, the oneness of everything, our interconnectedness, our interdependence, there's suddenly a big, wow, ah. You start to see a different perspective. You start to see that actually we are all part of something that's going on. We are all part of the world, the universe. And we see that our reason for being there in the first place is to serve the community here. Whether it's this community or the community in the valley or the wider world, our attention then becomes 
outside ourselves. And it's for this reason that I think we need to consider what sort of service we want to do as a community. What sort of service do we want to do as a community? Yes, we do our bit in representing a spiritual perspective. You know, we tick the boxes of the mission statement of the chapel, which is to remind the peoples of Aspen that there is foremost a spiritual dimension to their existence. But, you know, how much noodling can we do? You know, how much looking at our own enlightenment, how much looking at our own spirituality can we do? And, you know, once we've got to a point where we feel, you know, you start to realize that you are engaging, do, do, you, do we really want to carry on all the time looking at our own spirituality and how we can get deeper into it? Or do we want to take a different route? Because there's another phrase in our mission statement where we're asked to seek paths leading to brotherhood and peace. Now, that is an outward thing, to seek paths leading to brotherhood and peace. And I think that speaks about the element of service that I'm talking about here. Now, since my time at the chapel, we've, we've done a few things in support of other non-profits. And the major thing we've done on our own since I've been here really was work that we did with those people that didn't have homes at winter and were on the streets and in danger of, of dying on the streets. And for those of you who don't remember, traditionally on those cold winter nights, St. Mary's, the Catholic Church, used to house them. But then in 2017, St. Mary's was being redeveloped and they said, well, we have got nowhere you know, to house them. So... You know, is anybody else willing to step up and, and house the homeless? So, we, you know, our board, and we, we stepped up and we said, yes, we'll take them. And we used the gallery uh, as a dormitory for the homeless from uh, November through to March. We had 20 people every night sleeping downstairs. It was quite an operation, as you can imagine. And uh, a fairly major operation that we conducted in conjunction with the Aspen uh, Day Centre for the homeless. So we did that, and then in 2020, COVID hit. And again, there was nowhere for them to go. Uh, and so we said, they can come here. And, and that was a big operation, because COVID was happening. Everyone was terrified. And we had a whole load of strangers that were going to come in. So you can imagine the protocols that we had to develop in order. But anyway, we did that. We got them in. And, uh, and we provided a shelter for a couple of months, and then it was decided that it would be more easier to put them in hotels in Glenwood. So they were then put in hotels in Glenwood. And actually, the, the way they do it now is much more efficient. And, and so that really, you know, is an opportunity that we, we don't have to serve. It was, a great, it was a great privilege to serve. I, I felt really great about it, that they were here every night. And on Christmas night, you know, I was able to stand up and say, hey, you know, we had a thousand people through at Christmas. I was able to say, hey, when you've gone, there are going to be people sleeping downstairs you know, who would otherwise be sleeping outside. So that was great. So the question is, I think we've got to ask ourselves, you know, what do we do now? You know, what are actually we about? And I think it's important for us to do more than just work on our spirituality. And I think we could make a difference somewhere if we put our mind to it. You know, I, I, when I look around, we're an interesting group of people. You know, most of you have had experience of doing stuff, of being involved in campaigns, you know. You, everyone here has organized things. You know, there's a bit of money around as well, you know. And so actually, you know, I know quite, you know, I'm not bad at organizing things. And so if we sort of put our minds to it, 
I felt we, we could actually do something quite interesting, some sort of service. Um, together, I think we'd, we'd make a pretty formidable team to get something done. And so, to that end, I reached out to the Roaring Fork Leadership Academy. Does anyone know the Roaring Fork Leadership Academy? Anyway, what they do, the Roaring Fork Leadership Academy, is they, they get people who want leaders thing, and they, they all get together, and they have sort of events, and, the, and they take on projects. And I reached out to them and said, look, would you like to take us on and help us to do... We haven't yet decided what it is, but to do something uh, and, and, you know, organize us in order to do that. And, you know, they have teams of six people. They, they get together and they, they help people to make a difference. And they get insights and they come in and they organize. And they say that the civic, we'd be a civic project for them. The civic project idea is it'll be reviewed by the team. And if you're chosen... Uh, they will focus on you during the program. It's an opportunity to have a group of people taking on new ways of leadership and having something come about. Um, so I said, you know, would you like to come in and support us, you know, doing something? And they said, yes, we would. So we're going to partner with them in this software. So we're not on our own in doing this. Um, the question we have to decide is, what do we want to do? You know, I could come up with something and say, this is what, yeah, there's no point in me doing that. It's just been one of my hobby horses that I just ride around for a while and you'll get, everyone will go, yeah, that's very interesting, Nicholas. Thanks very much. You, know, you get on with that. You know. It has to be something that, w that comes from us. And I think for various reasons that we should think of a five-year time period. You know, what could we achieve in five years as a group? What could we collectively achieve? Most of us just sort of get on with our lives. We do our best for our families, for our jobs, for our, our local community. But this is a chance to come together and facilitate something that's on our hearts and wants to happen. And, and I want to say to you, if someone said to you, okay, you've got five years. You've got, I mean, there are about 400 people that link in every month here, watch or, you know, about 400 people. We've got 400 people. We've got another 1,000 people that we can harass on our mailing list uh, or, or, you know, who we talk to from our mailing list. If you had all those people together and you had a bit of funding and a, a group, what would you want to have done? What is on your heart that you think you'd always wanted to have an effect on the world, but it's just little old you? If you had a team of people behind you what might you have happened? And over the next couple of months, I want to identify something that we can all get behind, something that comes from what's on our hearts. And it could be just someone that has an idea, and everyone goes, you could be the person that has this idea, and everyone goes, yes, I want to do that too. Something that comes from someone. If you could make one thing happen in the world, what would it be? And... You know, a serious question. And I'm not thinking here just about soup kitchens or clearing up the neighborhood. I'm looking at something that we could link into on a, either a local or a national or an international stage. Something we could represent here in Aspen. You know, the, the Aspen Chapel represents this in Aspen. It could be some ideas. It could be a, a campaign to stop human trafficking. It could be working on those people that are undocumented or, or trying to bring peace to some part of the world. Something that we could identify and get behind. 
And I said, I've got a couple of ideas, but it, it can't just come from me. It has to be something that comes from all of us, something that takes the ethos that we have here and puts it into action. I'd like to see us do something to make something happen that was not going to happen before we decided to do it. And in a sense, I want you to engage your hearts in thinking about what that might be. Because, you know, as I say, when you look at the nature of reality, when you get a sense of it, it then puts you in a place where you can think, now, what can I do about this? What can I actually make happen? It could be local, it could be national, it could be international. It could be a work, it could be a program, it could be a campaign. It could involve action or organization or communication. I think it should have an impact. Now, I know it's a bit of a blank canvas, you know, but I think we have to start somewhere. And I think, you know, the reason I'm doing this as, as a function of community is that when you create something like this, it becomes more than just turning up and getting some stuff. It becomes about, how can I participate with this? How can I help? What can I do? Yes, I'm willing to come along and you know, put my shoulder to the plow to make this happen. And I think this sort of thing creates community. This sort of thing brings people into community because they're wanting to make something happen. I want you, in a, in a moment, just to take a few minutes to look into your heart to see what that might be. I find... You can always tell what book I'm reading in my, in my meditation time. I, I'm reading the Radiant Sutras at the moment. And I, I came across uh, this fantastic quote from the Radiant Sutras, uh, which I thought was work. It said, and it says, whenever a wanting moment comes, whenever a wanting moment comes, celebrate the rising of desire as a sparkling impulse of energy vibrating the body into motion. In a flash of knowing, when intelligence arises, attend to this rising as the illumination of the self. Desiring and knowing. Knowing and desiring. Just for a breath, just for a breath, forget what you want. Forget what you know. Receive the real teaching, the essence of earth, air, fire, water, and space. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you, and if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.